Well, we're looking at Jesus versus Disney. Uh, but to start with, I'm going to talk about uh, a completely different area of literature and, and, and popular culture. Um, in 1856, Gustave Flaubert published what some consider to be the perfect novel. It was a novel called Madame Bovary, and I had to study it for my uh, French uh, degree. Madame Bovary is a woman who's brought up with romantic novels, as in novels that were in the romantic period. And she longs for the excitement of those novels in her life. She tries marriage, but she becomes bored after a little while, annoyed that her husband doesn't live up to the heroes of those novels. So she tries adultery and comes to find it as boring as marriage. That's a quote from the book. She tries gambling, but nothing can live up to the excitement that she's been led to expect from those novels. So at the end of the book, she takes a life. That's a typical French novel for you, isn't it? But I've met Madame Bovary's as the years have gone on. I've met people who haven't potentially read all those romantic novels and they haven't killed themselves, uh, but they live with unrealistic expectations of life. Not from romantic novels, but generally it's been from Disney films. They expect their life to work out sort of like a Disney film. You know, Disney films are everywhere, aren't they? Uh, I grew up with a full set of VHSs right up to Hercules. So I think I've seen every uh, Disney film uh, up until then, certainly. Uh, I much, must have watched Beauty and the Beast in excess of 100 times. I think it was my favourite. I used to just go, come home from school, VHS in, watch Beauty and the Beast. I watched Aladdin a little bit less, and I watched Lion King a little bit less. That was sort of my area, era of Disney. But I've seen all of them at least once. I've even watched Fantasia all the way through, which is the most boring uh, one a lot, in my opinion. But for many generations, and certainly for my generation, they provide a sort of anthology of stories that make up our, our reality, if you like, that we get our lens on the world through. In previous generations, it was things like novels or perhaps even the Bible in previous generations. But now the novels that make sense of our world, the stories that do it, are actually Disney films often. They're the ones that we give to our children. And they're the lens on other works of literature. So think about it. The Jungle Book. I've never read The Jungle Book, but I know the story from Disney. Or The Little Mermaid. I've never bothered reading Hans Christian Andersen, uh, but I know the story from Disney. The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I imagine it's the same for a lot of people of my generation, that we never actually read the originals, but we know the Disney version. So even there, the works of literature from our history are fed to us through Disney. They give us a lens on historical events. And legends, think about Pocahontas, Robin Hood. Again, the Disney version of that story uh, is often the first one that we hear. Yet, despite the diversity of subjects, as they've done a lot of films over the years, you can say that there really is a Disney way of understanding things. There are common threads that run throughout the films and the whole organisation, a sort of Disney view of the world. So if you don't think this is true, think about for a second, what if Disney did a film of World War II? You can sort of imagine a Disney version of that, couldn't you? Or could you imagine a Disney version of Harry Potter? You know, there'd be certain things left out, there'd be certain things tidied up, there'd be certain things taken in a different way. And Disney really have done that with the whole of history, with the whole of our world. The story of our world, they've, they've sort of given us a Disney version of it. So to start with, what I want to look at is the gospel according to Disney. I want to think about how Disney presents us with a gospel. We're going to look at what the problem that they present us, 
within our world is. We're going to look at what the solution is and then what the result is at the end. So if you just watch Disney films, if you just look through the lens of Disney, how would you understand good news in our world? Well, I think in most Disney films, the problem seems to be a lack of fulfilment, a lack of fulfilment, self-fulfilment. So think about it, Aladdin. Please excuse me if you don't know these films, but I'll hopefully give enough examples from different eras that you'll, you'll know at least one. But Aladdin, longing to be something more. Simba, who just can't wait to be king. Ariel, the little mermaid who wants to walk on land. Belle, who longs to be intellectually fulfilled. Elsa, who just wants to let it go and be herself. You see, all those things really are about self-fulfillment. There's some sort of thing that's holding them back and they just want to be self-fulfilled. And what that self-fulfillment looks like changes as the films move with the times. So perhaps in the early ones it might be, you know, self-fulfillment was about finding Prince Charming. And as it's moved on, self-fulfillment looks slightly different. But it's self-fulfillment all the way through. So the problem then is that there are people who prevent that self-fulfillment in their lives. And a lot of Disney films, it tends to be the parents or guardians who prevent this self-fulfillment, this self-expression. Have you ever wondered why in Disney films are so many parents die in Disney films? Part of it is it gets them out of the way for the characters who enjoy the self-fulfillment of their lives. Some Disney films are very unpopular in China because they give this negative view of parents. So if you think about it, Little Mermaid, Ariel, goes against her father's wishes. Princess Jasmine goes against her father, who keeps presenting her with these suitors. Simba goes against his father. Elsa's parents lock her away because she's a bit different. Actually, the authority figures get a very bad press. And so in countries like China, they're really not very popular. So sometimes it's the parents and guardians, sometimes it's baddies. Baddies who stop them getting what they want. But either way, we're pre pre presented with a very simple world. There's this, somebody is stopping you getting somewhere uh, and you've got to get there. Now, it becomes a little bit more nuanced in the new films. But that's exactly because there are these patterns there. They, they've got on to the fact that people know that there's this pattern that this is going to happen. So they've started to change it ever so slightly. But if you think back to the early films, we're presented with these really simple characters, aren't we? So you get your goodies. You know, Mary Poppins, Cinderella, Belle. They're all presented as really innocent and flawless. And then you get the child catcher and the wicked stepmother and Scar, who are presented almost like pantomime baddies. We'll, we'll have a look at that a little bit uh, more in a minute. But can you see that basically there's just this simple worldview that You've got to be self-fulfilled, and these people are stopping you. You are goodies, and they are baddies, stopping you from getting what you really want in life. So what's the solution in Disney films? Well, it's wishing upon a star. If you think about it, it's sort of a parody on faith, isn't it? Wishing upon a star. It happens a lot uh, in the, the films. And society, I think, probably thinks that's what faith is. <laughs> because they've seen it through the lens of Disney. You know, if you just really want something, then it will happen. Or it's true if you really, really believe it's true. They think that's what faith is. Have faith in your dreams and someday it will happen. So um, let me give you some quotes from some of the songs from Disney. Uh, this is one is from Cinderella. Have faith in your dreams and someday 
your rainbow will come smiling through. No matter how your heart is grieving, if you keep on believing, the dream that you wish will come true. A dream is a wish that your heart makes. When you're feeling small, alone in the night you whisper thinking no one can hear you at all. You wake in the morning sunlight to find fortune that is smiling on you. Don't let your heart be filled with sorrow, for you know that tomorrow the dream that you wish will come true. That's the Disney version of faith, isn't it? Wishing on a star, just hoping. Or let's go with Pinocchio, when you wish upon a star. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. If your heart is in your dream, no request is too extreme. When you wish upon a star, as dreamers do. That's what the world thinks faith is, because that's what they've seen with Disney films. They think it's just wishing on a star. And it's presented as the way to get around these problems. You know, oh, I can't deal with this. I'll wish upon a star and all my problems will go away. You can see now why people have a problem living this out, can't you? So the first part of the solution is, is wishing upon a star, a sort of Disney version of faith. There's also love often comes up as a solution in the films. But it's Disney love. And generally that means romantic love. So you saw all the pictures there on, on the screen uh, of the different couples. Frozen breaks that pattern because it's a sister. But it does so because there is that pattern. It's self-consciously doing it to make it a bit different. But love is seen as this sort of force rather than a choice. Love is magic in some way. And often in Disney, it's a thoughtless love. It's a love at first sight. It's a glance across the room. And they just know that that's the person who's going to rescue them. It's a love that's destined. It's all about finding the one. Prince Charming, Aladdin, Sleeping Beauty. There's this notion that love sorts it out, but it's a very twee love. It's a very shallow love. That's just love at first sight. And is more like a force, really, than actually love overcoming difficulties uh, in their lives. And then the third thing that uh, is presented as a solution is hope. But again, it's Disney hope. It's a hope of the future. Somewhere over the rainbow. Something better is going to come. I just know it is. Someday my prince will come. There's some fated future for all of us that's brighter. There's a sanitised fairy tale future for us all just beyond the river bend. And that brings us to the result, what they look forward to. Well, it's the classic Disney thing, isn't it? They look forward to the happy ever after. That's the ultimate goal of every Disney film. Every Disney film, I think, without exception, has a happy ending. The characters find their self-fulfilment. And very rarely that's the redemption of a, a, a baddie, if you like. It's just a goodie gets their own way. The only one I could think of where you get a redemption of a real baddie is Beauty and the Beast. But you could argue that Gaston is the baddie all along. He might be the beast that's mentioned. But generally, it's this happily ever after. And those who've opposed their self-fulfillment, well, they get stopped, don't they? So think about the baddies who, who end up in a bad way at the end. Captain Hook, Ursula, Mustafa, Gaston, Prince Hans, Stinky Pete, Wicked Stepmother, Cruella de Vil. They're always beaten, aren't they? And relatively easily. There's no ongoing struggle after the end of the film that carries on. Actually, no, everything is sorted out and it's happily ever after. And by the end of the film, it's just all wonderful and you never find out what happens next because there's no point. It's all so wonderful. Well, that's the gospel according to Disney. And there are people who think that that's what their life will be like. They think that, you know, if you just wish hard enough or hope hard enough or there's this fairy tale future that's coming. 
And we can sort of see some sympathy with that, can't we? But we're going to see what the Bible actually says. The gospel according to Jesus. We're going to look back at Ephesians chapter 2 and look at those same three headings and see what the Bible has to say about what the problem is, what the solution is, and then what the result is. So what's the problem according to the Bible? We'll have a look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Do you see here that actually our, our problem is much bigger than just lack of self-fulfilment? Actually, our problem is universal sinfulness. Everybody is sinful. There's not a simple world of goodies and baddies. It sort of is simple, but in the sense that we're all baddies. But baddies don't have haggard faces and English accents like they do in most Disney films. Check it out. The English accents generally are bad. Sometimes in our world, they look nice and respectable. Because sometimes in our world, they are nice and respectable. But the Bible says that they're still baddies. The problem is, you see, that we're all dead in sin. That's what it's saying here. That's a line that you'd never hear in a Disney film, isn't it? You are dead in sin. We're like corpses floating around in a cesspool of our own making. That's really what the picture is. It's just sort of floating about, not able to do anything. Unable to get ourselves out, enslaved to our own passions. Enslaved to the devil here, mentioned as the ruler of the power of the air. And we just float there dead. Our state is so much worse than Sleeping Beauty. If you think about it, we're, we're dead. We're not just sleeping. And it will take more than a true love's kiss to bring us out of it. So what's the solution in our passage? Well, we see that in the, the verses that follow, uh, verses 4 and onwards. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The solution here is the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's the powerhouse of the solution, the most significant event in history that doesn't get mentioned in any Disney film. Jesus is, dies for our sin and is raised from the dead. And in this passage, we see that we're connected to that resurrection. God raises us with him. It's as though there's some sort of magnetic field that draws us into the orbit of Christ as he rises from the dead. So as Christ was raised physically, so those with him are raised spiritually and now await a physical resurrection. In other words, he has made us who are dead to be alive. That's what he's done. How does he make that connection between us and Christ? Well, the connection is made by faith. That's what the passage talks about. That's what connects us to Christ's resurrection. So this is not wishing on a star. This is not just randomly hoping that something will happen. Actually, this is trusting in Jesus' death. Something that did happen, a historical 
event. And this is not a work of our own. God has granted us the faith that connects us to his son by his spirit. And that works itself out, doesn't it, in love to one another. But not Disney love, not romantic love, but love that self-sacrifices and continues to do so. And continues to go on even when it's hard. That faith binds us to Christ and brings us to life. So what's the result? We see that in verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The happily ever after there to start with is a life of service to Christ. Again, you don't sort of see that in the Disney film. Normally it's the freedom from work. It says here that we're God's workmanship. We're now connected to Christ and continue to do the work that he did. His spirit is at work in us, making us more like him and helping us help others to do that. And then at the end of that life, there is a happy ending. We await the life to come. When Christ returns and brings about a new heaven and a new earth. It's not some airy fairy happily ever after. It's a physical resurrection. We'll be physically raised with him if we died. And we'll be raised physically into the air if we haven't. If you remember the air was the realm of the devil at the beginning. But now we're raised with him into the air. It becomes the realm of the saints. So we will dwell with Christ forever on a new earth. No pain, no suffering, no sadness. And it can sound a little bit Disney-fied, but it will be a, after a life of pain, a life of suffering, a life of sadness. The Bible is, doesn't pretend, it's not make-believe, it's not fairy tales. It's real with us, and it promises us a real future. And it also promises judgment for those who reject Christ. Those who don't have faith in Christ remain spiritually dead. They look forward to an eternity being dead physically. In a place of torment. And again you just don't see this in Disney films do you? Even though this is so so important. This is the crucial. Some of the crucial truths of our time. But they're nowhere. The only gods you get in Disney are, are Zeus and Neptune and uh, Poseidon. But this is not a trivial matter is it? This is life and death and it's completely missed out. So our last point. Disney friend. Or foe? Well, let me start off with the foe side. It's a subtle shifting of our world view, isn't it, that takes place in Disney. As I say, there's no God in Disney other than sort of cartoon versions of Greek ones. It's all about life now because there's no afterlife. So getting your happily ever after now becomes the key thing. And that leads to unrealistic expectations of life now. Happily ever afters don't come in this life. We grow old. We grow sick. We die. These are things that the Bible doesn't hide from. But Disney just skips those bits for its heroes and presents us with this unrealistic view of life. The danger with Disney is that it, it's so wholesome, if you like, so nice, that we're not looking for any problems like this. You're expecting to find problems with horror films and, you know, some action movies and things like that. But we're not expecting it from Disney. Because it's so close in some ways to what we believe in a way that it's dangerous. It's wholesome, but it's not the gospel. 
Um, isn't that what most people want from Christianity? Isn't that the pressure that we're under to actually go towards? Just say the nice bits. Just give the inspirational bits. You know, don't talk about sin. Don't talk about hell. Maybe don't even talk about God. Just give us something nice to live for. Give us something nice to live with. And the danger actually is that we end up disnified in our minds as Christians rather than sanctified. We go for what's nice rather than what's true. So I believe there are actually whole churches that are full of the Disney gospel. Lovely people, nice people. Nice talk, nice conversations, nice things they say. But not the gospel of Jesus. And think, isn't this where so many who fall away end up? Being really nice, but no gospel. That's the Disney gospel, wholesome, but not the gospel. So it's a foe because it's so close, and yet it's miles away. But it is also a friend. There are elements in the, of the gospel in Disney, aren't there? Although they're twisted round. It reveals the longing in all of us, doesn't it, for something more. That longing for the happily ever after. And we all feel that, we all want that. The problem is that Disney presents it in this life and we know that the happily ever after is in the one to come. Also with Disney, there's that element of wanting something magical, wanting something that's not quite scientific and rational. We often think about our time as scientific and rational. We think that's the worldview uh, of the people outside. But for a big chunk of people, their worldview is like Disney. They're quite happy with the idea of Something magic, if you like. And Disney for them is total escapism. So it's a reminder that we don't live in a homogenous culture, that everyone's the same. There are longings still in people for that something special. There are longings in people for the great heroes. People just don't realise that there's a reason that they crave it, and actually it only finds its answer in God. And the other reason that Disney is our friend is that this exposes itself over time. If you try and live out the Disney gospel, actually it leads to huge dissatisfaction. See, I really do have a friend who thinks that her life should be a Disney movie. I, I can actually think of a person who, she goes around the house singing. You know, she sort of expects everyone else to start joining in and uh, just moving around. She had a boyfriend. He disappointed her because he never said what he was supposed to say. Didn't he know that there was a script that, you know, when she said something, he was supposed to say this. In the end, actually, she married him. But it wasn't as romantic as she wanted. The wedding didn't have exactly the right carriage and, and all those sorts of things. One of the sad things it is that I bet most of you are thinking, oh, yeah, she's probably not a believer. Actually, she was a friend from church. But that's the mindset that she had. So it's a warning for us, isn't it? We can believe the Disney gospel. We can start getting affected by the Disney gospel, but actually, we need to believe the true gospel. Now, things are getting better with my friend, because actually, she's realising that this life will disappoint. She's realising that there are no happily ever afters in this life. And that's part of the thing that we need to understand, isn't it, as Christians? But unlike Madame Bovary, more and more, praise the Lord, her hope is in the world to come. Her hope is in Jesus Christ. Her hope is in the fact that he's raised her from the dead rather than hoping and wishing on a star uh, for things to turn around. So my prayer is that we, we move away from the Disney gospel, just being nice and wholesome, to being true uh, to the gospel. So let's pray that we do that.
and then we'll sing and then we'll take questions. So let's, let's pray.